It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser the day I was born Well, howdy there, folks. It's a Patreon-exclusive episode of American Loser, so you guys know the deal. We don't have to explain the concept of the show to you. You're the reason it exists. Seriously, we would have had that's to have right. stopped this already if it wasn't for you guys. Yeah, that's what you're paid for the, the seat for me to be sitting in. Yeah, my father's been trying to get out of this show for a while now. A and uh, we just keep having way too much support. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I like, like how he just kind of played into it. He was like, yeah, I've been trying this for a minute. And he just keeps bringing me back. I just mean, when you thought you were out, they pull you back. The initial list had 10 names on it. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. How are we still doing this three years later? We underestimated the amount of losers in American history. There can't be that many, right? <laughs> uh, we're here, though, folks. We're at a live uh, – well, we're at a shared universe podcast studio in Hometel, New, uh, Homedell, New Jersey. Hometel? Wow. Hometel. Yeah. Come say tell, pray tell. Motel. Do tell. Home Dell. <laughs> yeah, Mike and Ming do take great care of us. Behind the ones and twos, of course, you guys know that voice. We don't even have to describe who he is. We don't even have to give him a proper intro. But you guys know he's the heart and soul of this thing. It's the big kahuna. What's going on, man? We got a good one for you today, buddy. We do? We always do. Now, my father came up with this topic for the episode. We did a little bit of digging around here. We were trying to think of something cool. And we like the fuck around room that we have on Patreon because – we have a very smart listener base. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> this was a this was a sideways wormhole that uh, took a horizontal shaft, and we digging deeper. And oh my god, really? It's a pretty good one, man. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just in the last ten years that we've had these kinds of things happening. No, no, no. What are you talking about? They always say this. They always say every time there's an election. You hear people bitch and moan. They're like, I just wish this is the two best options we have in this country: a third party. That's what everybody wants: a third party. Well, this is one of the earliest third parties in the history of politics in America. Yep, the first. It's a pretty good one. So uh, this story is, of course, a weird one. And to try to tell it correctly, we have to pick an inciting incident. Hopefully we pick the uh, right one, Dad. <laughs> right with an R. Uh, yes, R-I-T-E. As in, as in what, Dad? Go ahead and unveil my- Masonic right? Oh, no. No, I got that wrong. Oh, no. The story starts with an interesting character by the name of William Morgan. Morgan claimed to have fought in the War of 1812. For more on that, you guys know where to find it. Two-parter, borderline PhD-worthy paper. Yeah, that we wrote. 1812. <laughs> My God. About four hours into the research, we're like, and it's going to be a two-parter. Yeah. But we had a damn good time with that one. Now, it's not hard to prove that he did fight in the War of 1812, it is kind of hard to prove that this William Morgan guy held the rank of captain like he claimed to. So although his claims are generally accepted as true, but it's a recurring motif throughout his life that he's got some questionable integrity at times. Okay. And Kahuna pulled up a picture of him here, as you can see. Um, his forehead looks like Professor Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> his forehead looks like Beaker and his face looks like Bunsen. That's a <laughs> 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 But uh he got himself involved with a group known as the Freemasons. Now, Dad, this is going to be the most difficult thing I've ever asked you. This is the trickiest question I might have ever asked you 
In the, you once walked in on me masturbating when I was in seventh grade, and this is still trickier to try to figure Hope out how to continue this conversation. <laughs> he'd, he'd long since forgotten KP. Okay. <laughs> I still remember the girl I was thinking about. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> just move on. This is now the trickiest question I've ever asked you, Dad. All right. What is a Freemason? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's difficult because you got to be one to know one and I ain't one. So, but anyhow in a in a in a capsule, uh the Freemasons is the world's oldest fraternal organization, fraternal as in fraternity. Um but it's a secret fraternity. So, you have to be a member to really know what the comings and goings and the ins and outs and the secret oaths and the secret handshakes and the secret high sign and all that kind of stuff and the symbolism that's involved with it. You can it. come to teak parties, but like you're not in teak. You know yeah. what I mean, dude? <laughs> like right. you can't crash here. Right. You might we might offer you a beer, but uh you're not uh, you're not staying. Um but no, it has a very long history. It actually goes back to the Middle Ages where the Freemasons started as a, a guild, which was uh, a, a specialty um, workers, uh, stonemasons. Um, so the Freemasons were starting out as a guild of stonemasons, and uh, they were large and in charge because at, at this particular time during the Middle Ages, there was a, some great cathedrals being built. And who were they being built by? By these uh, by the Mason's Guild. And then if you wanted a construction project going on, you had to deal with the yeah. Masons. As, capiche. Yeah, capiche. You want to talk to the, the, the uh, capo di capo that uh, you got to talk to the big fish to, uh, to get anything done. But anyhow, uh, as that started to go on the downslide, um, they started taking in um, people who weren't necessarily Masons into this organization. And there, as I say, there's a lot of uh, secrecy involved and a lot of ceremonies and that type of a thing. But one of their pledges is that you're going to do whatever you can to help a, a fellow Mason. So if uh, you need some help with uh, in business or whatever, so it became- You're going to like this guy. Yeah. He's a Freemason. He's right. a good fella. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a good fella. He's, uh, he's a made man. Um, so even if you weren't a Mason or involved in the construction trades with the guilds, um, as time went on, this thing kind of morphed into um, this secret society. So you really weren't sure who was who was in and who was out. But um, they were very, very influential and it became very uh, envious, if you will. You wanted to get into the Masons because things might happen for you or – influential people would be making, helping you out. And, uh, you know, early on in, in England, um, where this thing really had its roots, um, there was uh, the aristocrats, the the kings. I mean, you, you were you were rubbing elbows with, with royalty. And let's say, let's face it, back in those days, royalty could make things happen for you. Now, question, is it, it – so based on what you've described, is it like the – is it – I, th I think it's something skulls. It's some presidents are a part of it too. Uh, so skull and bones. Skull and bones. Yeah, that's is a it, real thing over at Yale. Is it still? Is it similar to that type of thing, just on a bigger in the scale? idea of a secret society? Yes, but skull and bones, small, small, small knit community. Um, the Freemasons, large nationwide, multi, well, multiple, multiple, worldwide. 
Yeah, because we actually have a Freemason podcast here. Do you really? Yeah. Well, remember we did the Prince Hall episode? He was the first black Freemason oh, in yeah. America? Yeah. We, so, they did an episode too. Trust me. Tons of charters, tons of – I mean it, it's a popular organization. It's very well known. But you know there is a smack of elitism to that. Like you're saying, Dad, you're rubbing elbows with uh, the rich and powerful here. Hey, how come, uh, how come the Masons all seem to look out for each other? How come everything always seems to work out for them? Um, They're strength in numbers. Yeah. Uh, am I not successful because I'm not a Mason? Is that why that is? Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe you want to check into that, Kev. But uh, um, you know, there, there's uh, again, as an outsider, you're really there's a lot of speculation as to what exactly is going on here. But um, those who are Masons usually are pretty influential people, and they're gonna they're gonna make shit happen for you. Um, so it's it behooves you that if you are, you know, if you're looking to be a, a social climber, you're gonna get get in with the with the Freemasons. And in America, <laughs> That'd be a great it, guest for him to have on his podcast. Inside yeah. joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, it started in in Massachusetts, up in Boston area, where there was British troops stationed there who happened to be Masons. And then when they when they did the skedaddle after the Revolutionary War, um, there was other Masonic lodges that were started. And there's a number of different ones. Now, there's no overriding like uh, worldwide headquarters that we know of that's really calling the shots as to the rules and regs of this thing, but. There's generalities throughout, and each individual uh, Masonic lodge follows general practices, but they can also tweak things to them, themselves. And this is a fraternal organization; it's men only, no women allowed. And it was it was uh, very uh, race race oriented as well. That uh, if you were uh, people of color could form a Masonic Lodge with the uh, with permission, if you will, but there was no um, integration. There was there was completely separate um, lodges, if you will, especially down in the South. And but yeah, the uh, Protestants and the Catholics had wanted to have their different Yeah, to well to that it. was another uh, big uh, <laughs> big hitch too because um, because of this secret society and you're pledging an oath to a different higher order. They they do pledge um, a belief in a higher uh, a higher deity or somebody that because the the ultimate um, architect is you know the, the a deity of of whatever your faith might might choose. Like for my friend Jack Steiger, it's Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, there God. you go. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to name them, but uh, you do have a, a belief in a, uh, a higher power. Um, but that didn't really go too well with a lot of the uh, Lutherans and with especially with the Roman Catholics, that the Roman Catholics came out and forbid anybody of the uh, Roman Catholic uh, persuasion to become uh, a Freemason because of uh, conflict of interest, if you will, of who, who is the higher order, the one that you're professing within the Masonic order or, you know, uh, you know, who's, who's the overriding, uh, um, figurehead here. But anyhow, um, they were very influential and early on, um, you know, 17, 16, 17 and early 1800s, um, there was a huge amount of people's both in government 
political office and in, um, you know, just in business and everything else that if you want to be, uh, you want to get, get, get shit done, you want to, uh, get some help, you want to become a, a Freemason. And there's a, a very, very long list of some very famous names that you might, uh, Oh, I, might I have recognize. a list at the very, very end. Yeah. Well, that was pretty important. I, I did happen to take a glance at that, but I mean, just little things, uh, you know, John Paul Jones, ever hear of him? I think we did an episode on him. Well, he was a Freemason. And when he was looking to, uh, for a command, he happened to be in Philadelphia, although that wasn't his home lodge. He checked in with the with the Freemasons in the Philadelphia area, and uh, they made shit happen for him. And, John uh, Paul Jones, also a Patreon-only episode. That's right. So if you're a member, you guys know the deal. You can go into the back catalog and check out these old episodes. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that uh, when I started looking at some of the names that were coming up as uh, Freemason membership, uh, Lewis and Clark, yeah, they were they were oh, Freemasons. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah. It's more curious if you're not a Freemason. Yeah, absolutely. In the history absolutely. Books. And I think the the biggest and and, and most easily recognizable is uh, old Georgie Wash himself. George Washington mm-hmm. was a was a Freemason, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit a little bit later on. But um, yeah, I mean the the early uh, the signers of the Declaration of Independence. I think over a third of them were uh, all Freemasons. So there's a little, and we're going to use the term loosely here, conspiracy theory that. There's a couple of them, but uh, one of them being that the Freemasons are a continuation of the Knights Templar. Did you know anything about that? Yeah, I got into that a little bit, but you know, again, you know, unless you're one of the guys on the inside, it's it's all speculative. Well, I was watching one. a documentary called and National I'm a little, Treasure. I'm a, <laughs> with what happened to with one of the guys in today's topic, I'm a little apprehensive about uh, going yeah. too far in well, speculation. Who's going to find out more about that? But what do you have, buddy? You found out something? Yeah, no. There was another one that they, they people had thought they thought that Freemasonry was a an offshoot of the Royal Order of Water Buffaloes. It's <laughs> <laughs> waiting for that. Is either going to be that or he's going to do the, uh, the Simpsons one, the Stonecutters? <laughs> It all comes back to cartoons. We do. See, I was very skeptical to make the reference because I was it, I was thinking at one reaction, what I got or silence because who would make a freaking Flintstones reference in 2021? But I would. Yeah, absolutely. I would. You, um, I was going to say, if anybody could pull it off, it was you. You know that. <laughs> As you were just alluding to here, though, Pops, uh, some, some wild stuff's going on. Uh, Morgan, he's a member of the Freemasons, okay? And he's claiming to have received the title of Master Mason in 1825. Uh, he would also receive the Royal Arch Decree, a major rite of passage from the fraternal order known as the Freemasons. Yeah, there's all different levels of uh, Freemasonry. And then um, each individual Masonic Lodge might have, you know, 21, 30, 100, and, you know, there's all different levels and you're going up the scale and I guess you're getting more brick yeah, and brick. Yeah, level 19 dungeon master, all sorts <laughs> yeah. of crazy things. But Yeah. Um, a major rite of passage, like we said here. Now, Morgan's character, he'll like we said earlier, he's got – maybe he's, you know, not the easiest guy to get along with. Maybe he makes some big claims that maybe, you know, turn out to be bullshit every now and then. Um, Morgan's character is going to come into question more and more from within the order. Now, again, this is a fraternal organization all built around the idea of brotherhood and we always look out for each other. Well, William Morgan, he's starting to piss off enough people. They're like, oh, this guy's really – I know he's one of our, our members, but the guy's a little bit of a jerk. And um, 
Anytime that he tries to create more lodges and chapters, maybe things that would create and strengthen uh, and embolden his, you know, power, if you will, uh, within the organization, he's starting to get denied because they're like, ah, no, no, that, that, that's great. That, thank you, William. We appreciate you trying. We're not really interested in that at this time. Yeah, he didn't have a real good track record in business either, even though he did have claims to uh, Freemasonry. He was a bit, so of a, did- bit of a screw up and. Traveling, traveling, man, that if you screw up here, you're going to do the skedaddle and maybe pop up someplace else to, so uh, to be- avoid your debtors. So how did he become one in the first place then? If you well, really- that, that, again, that that is even uh, kind of speculated that he might have bullshitted his way through that mm-hmm. you go to a new I joined in Canada. Say, That's really a thing that he said. Oh, I joined up in Canada, you guys. And they can't- Oh, pr- so he would just- Go to a, a lodge where he was at and claim, hey, this is where I'm right. from. No one was really going to fact check it because there's no phone. And it also, t- to be fair, could have been true. You know, It wasn't the, the greatest thing for record keeping back in the day. And again, with a name like William Morgan, I'm going to say in 1800s uh, America, not the – you know, there's going to be a couple of them in the record books. Okay, You can say, oh, yeah, that's me over there, blah, blah, blah. But uh, anyway uh, – Morgan winds up uh, proving them right because they don't really enjoy his methods and his ambitions. So when they deny these charter proposals, Morgan proves them right in their questioning of his loyalty to the order when the first time you tell this guy no, what does he do? Oh, well, screw you guys. I'm going to quit then. I'm going to tell everybody what we do here in our secret meetings. You know? What a wait. baby. Yeah. yeah he, uh, he made arrangements with a, a publisher, if you will, that uh, – these two guys cooked up this or hatched this plan that they were going to uh, write this expose. Now, if you're going to write an expose and, and put it out there, yeah, you might want to drum up some some media hype uh, on the release of your new book. But, yeah. but with with these guys, I think you, you might have taken the wrong tactic because uh, – it's Brian Wilson and Smile. Hey, this is the album you guys are wanting right after Pet Sounds, but you're going to disappear into some shit first. Yeah. And again, in, in the in the times, uh, Freemasonry was was known about. It wasn't that there were a secret society that they're they're walking around in the shadows and nobody knows about it. I mean, when George Washington um, was inaugurated as our first president, there was Freemasonry symbolism and ceremonies that were involved in his. Uh, his uh, ascending the, the presidency. Mm-hmm. When they laid the cornerstone of the Capitol, there was a whole Freemasonry uh, ceremony, if you will, to the laying of the cornerstone. So, it, you know, they, it was out there in the public's eye. So it's just publicly known, but like the inner workings. Are right, mystery. right. Okay. But who are these guys and who is and who isn't? That might, that's, that's a little uh, foggy as to who exactly is and isn't because, again, there was no uh, membership list that was going to be published. But oh, yeah. It's a secret society. It's definitely got some of that going on to it. <laughs> and I just love the way they handle things because if you had some problems, uh, one of your Masonic brothers were going to take care of you. By the way, there was no women allowed, no people of color allowed. And again, you had to uh, swear these various oaths that Knocked a lot of people out of the box. <laughs> when I started reading about this, I had flashbacks to my own fraternal order. And again, on a very small scale, back in the day, I was in a fraternity that um, if there was somebody that could be placed into a position of influence, we made sure that that happened. So if you wanted, a, let's say, an on-campus job, mm-hmm. well, all the cafeterias had a manager from the food service company, but they also had a student manager. 
and the student manager was the guy that was in charge of doing all the all the hiring mm -hmm. of, of the student body. So if you needed if you needed a, a little side job while you're trying to work your way through college, well, all the student managers to all the cafeterias just happened to be fraternity brothers. So if you needed a job, we can make that happen. And the added benefit is that if you worked, if you were on the payroll for the food service, it didn't matter how many hours, if you were on the payroll for one hour, you worked one hour on lunch on Wednesday, let's say, then you get to eat free for the rest of the week because you're you're an employee <laughs> of the food service, so you got to eat free. So there's yeah. no need to buy a meal ticket. So I mean, there's added benefits other than just the hourly wage that you were taking. If you got a traffic ticket on uh, on campus, well, then you had to go to traffic appeals court. Traffic appeals court was made up of uh, various uh, student body. So guess who made sure that we had a fraternity brother on the traffic appeals court? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Without yeah. getting, let's just hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. What happens if you steal a Christmas tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, if the local authority, if it's on campus police, we might be able to help you out. If it's off campus police, our, our realm of uh, influence didn't quite go that far. However, <laughs> the Freemasons. Went that's the far the big picture, be, far yeah. beyond, far so beyond. The Freemasons the are controlling things. So if you want to talk about the idea of maybe deep state or um, shadow government or uh, you know the secret societies, the elites, that kind of thing, your Freemasons are going to fall much, much in line with that. Although it is nice that your frat brothers got you a free meal every now and then. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And well, there were added benefits to uh, belonging to that particular fraternity that. Well, uh, let's just keep it. Let's just leave it there. Yeah, we're trying to talk about secret societies, not <laughs> get anybody right. in trouble here. That's <laughs> right. Um, What's in the past? Let's leave it in the past. Now, the problem is that when, loser. <laughs> <laughs> when William Morgan uh, decides to make this declaration, he goes, oh, and I'm going to write my expose. Me and this publisher, are, we're both, you know, we're against the Masons now. We're going to sit there. And we're going to expose you guys. We're going to talk about the ceremonies and we're going to, you know, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. That goes against all the vows that he swore. So, um when you join, you got to make the – plus, first of all, when you join, you have to make these oaths. Then when you go and get promoted to these higher rites of passage within the order. So he's just absolutely betraying everything now, all because that they told him, no, you can't make your own charters. So a little bit of a baby, a little bit of a I'm taking my controller and going home, you know. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. There's some of that too. <laughs> so uh, the Freemasons are not pleased about this. And wouldn't you know it, Dad, just like Scientology, the Mafia, the Illuminati, <sighs> the Clinton Foundation, anytime you try to expose or bring down a powerful group with deep pockets and vast connections and influence, wouldn't you know it? Your personal life always seems to go to shit in a hurry. Yeah, it's uh, – it's – it has that. It has any that skeleton in your record. closet pops up. Like there, there was a great movie called Kill the Messenger with Jeremy Renner, that uh, he was playing a journalist, a real life journalist that exposed how crack was hitting the streets in America, and immediately all of a sudden it came up with like, oh, uh, this woman says that you uh, were inappropriate with her like twenty years ago or something like that. And you're like, so that's what you're going to do. You you assassinate the character here. Right. So. Well, Morgan gets arrested almost immediately after he makes these claims. Oh, oh yeah. And charges. By, by the way, the arresting officers? Masons. Uh, they were Masons. <laughs> <laughs> so he does get arrested. He's placed into debtor's prison. Debtor's prison, for those who don't know, is uh, back in the day, if you owed money and you didn't pay it, you could be placed in debtor's prison. 
Uh, so anybody who's got a defunct uh, student loan payment, you'd be in debtor's prison if they didn't get go. rid of that concept. There you go. And so. what I had read, he was placed into debtor's prison because he borrowed a, a, a shirt or something from some tavern keeper back in his old haunts and never repaid the guy for the for the shirt. So for the for the price of like a shirt, $2.25, he's placed into debtor's prison. <laughs> so. So then he gets bailed out by his publisher, though. Now that's right. a great publisher. Yeah, right there you there. go. That's somebody that you. That's that's when I get in trouble. That's Kahuna's coming down there and he's opening up a suitcase full of his uh, McScrooge bucks that that's he's right. been hanging on to. That's Hang that on, it's Kahuna bucks, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to bail me out, right? And then what happens immediately after that, Dad? Uh, he gets arrested again. And yep. <laughs> this time for a two-dollar tavern um, bill that they claim he didn't pay. Yeah. So, boom, right back into jail with Another trumped-up charge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Morgan will never get to publish this book here. It's kind of wild how it all works out. Um, the idea being if he's in prison, he can't publish this book, right? And then finally, while he's in jail, a group of men will arrive and they will arrange his release uh, by kind of convincing the jailer's wife. The jailer himself is not around at this time and the jailer's wife is kind of a – it's put to her kind of pleasantly, I'm sure. Like, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, make things just go so much easier for you if you just let William Morgan out of prison. We're going to take care of him. We, he's coming with us. There is a uh, a women's side to the Freemasons. It's uh, it's a, like a like a ladies' auxiliary. Uh, that, They're you know, the ones, but with you the had to power. have your husband had to be a member of the Freemasons uh-huh. in order for you to join the the female side of Freemasonry. But it, yeah, it, 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 who knows? You know. So these guys just... show up, they disappear in the night with our buddy William Morgan, uh, and then they take him to Fort Niagara. Shortly thereafter, William Morgan disappears forever. He's never seen again. Don't announce your expose, just write it and then be prepared to hide out for a few weeks. Okay? Never gets to publish his book. The most common and accepted theory is that he was taken out in a boat on the Niagara River and drowned by the Freemasons. All right. The Freemasons absolutely vehemently deny these charges. They claim, oh, no, no, we paid Morgan off and told him to leave the country. And then other people be like, oh, you know what? I just saw William Morgan the other day. I wonder if those guys were Freemasons. They were saying, oh, yeah, we saw him up in Canada. Uh, Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. (laughs) Good reference. Good reference. (laughs) That was good. Now, uh, not too long later, a decomposed body will wash ashore and uh, is buried as William Morgan. Now, they couldn't prove that it was him because it was a decomposed body. And there was another missing person around the time frame whose wife identified the body as her husband's and not William Morgan's. So there's this idea, well, is it William Morgan or is it not? People are starting to, oh, you know, these these Masons who were not really big on to begin with, it looks like they just killed a guy for criticizing them and threatening to expose them. How dangerous are they? So is it really more like an Elks Lodge where they're just hanging out right now? Or are these guys really pulling the strings? Is this your deep state, your secret society, your Illuminati, your new world order? Is that these guys? Yeah. Or were they just kind of hanging out in a tavern? I can't tell anymore because, oh, William Morgan, he just straight up disappeared. No one's going to see that guy again. And I kind of wanted to read his book. Is there any info on whatever happened to his manuscript or went missing with him? I think, um, I don't know if he ever got a chance to even put pen to paper. Yeah, and also the. But there was uh, a publisher. Oh, the publishers. His, his shop was was busted up, and uh, uh, you know it became they, quite they apparent something. that that book was never going to be published. Mm. Or so they thought. No, I'm just 
but yeah, so uh, you're not quite sure if that's the body of William Morgan that washed up here. It's buried as it is him, so that would you know add more speculation to the idea that the Freemasons drowned this guy. There's no like bones back then, like you know the show Bones. There's no like there's DNA, no Doctor yeah. Temperance. There's no DNA proof. That's all. No dental records. No dental records. Stuff. There's right, nothing right, of this dude. Right. Uh, and your uh, question about the print shop, uh, the the publisher, um, there was a posse. Uh, supposedly, there was a posse of drunken masons who destroyed the print shop, uh, and it was damaged by a small fire two days later. So they busted up the place, and then they put a torch to it. So I don't think I think the message went to the publisher too that hey. The, your your author just went missing, mm-hmm. and your print shop just got busted up and then set a fire. Um, I don't think that manuscript, if it's still around, it would be a good idea to print that. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead. I mean, the, the last guy who said he was going to do that, well, we may or may not have found his body a few days later. So uh, it seems like that uh, these Freemasons who – again, critics and our opponents of the Freemasons who already have plenty to say to begin with are now fed up with this – powerful Illuminati-like group that always seems to get away with things, always works out for the Masons. Years later, though, a Freemason will make a deathbed confession that he, in fact, did take part in the murder of Morgan. But in the initial aftermath, most of the trials and investigations of the conspirators were either mishandled or dismissed. You know why? They're all freaking Freemasons. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's it's to the little guy who is not a Freemason. It just... Like, oh, yeah, those, those those rich sons of bitches that uh, are, are making everything happen for them. You know, the, the rich get rich and the poor get poor and uh, everything seems to be going their way. Uh, and the, meanwhile, the little guy is just getting shit upon. Um, so, you know, they're not – not everybody is envious of wanting to be a Freemason. Some of them are just – there's no way I'd ever become a Freemason because – the, the snooty hoi polly. Well, the average public starts to notice that almost everyone in a position of power, a.k.a. the elite, are all Masons. So if the judge was a Mason, no Mason would be sentenced for any crimes. If all the businessmen in town were Masons, then no Mason would go hungry or be poor. If the elected officials are all Masons, you see where this is going? Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. This is a really peculiar Law and Order episode. It's, it's all there. All we need is iced tea right now. Are you telling me that? Yeah. <laughs> Explain this to me. <laughs> you got some splaining to do. Being a Mason was now considered to be a form of elitism, and the general public was becoming quite fed up with them. They argued that the Masonry. I don't blame them. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you got to, even if you're not actively angry at them, you are sitting there like, this is some bullshit. All right. I mean, what's going on over here? So, um, yeah, I mean, thirteen of the thirteen of the thirty-nine signatures on the U.S. Constitution. So, not only the Declaration of Independence has got a really good amount of Freemasons on there, but now we're finally forming this country, and things are happening. And um, Washington D.C. is laid out, and there's a lot of Masonic symbolism within even the laying out of our nation's capital, uh-huh. kind of a thing. Uh, the the dollar bill uh, with the pyramid with the all-seeing eye above it, well, that has heavy Masonic uh, symbolism to it. And as I say, 13 of the 39 signatures on the Constitution are all Freemasons. So, yeah, people are, you know, <laughs> you have to be a an idiot not to see that it's there's a pretty influential amount of Freemasonry going on here. Just a bit. Just a bit. Well, the Masons, they're holding a little too much power over here. So uh, now they're starting to argue that uh, Masonry could not coexist with good citizenship. 
Okay, so this social contract, all that is like, well, how can we even have that if there's these Freemasons that play by their own rules? And the only way to beat them is going to be to uh, organize politically, right? And they're going to form this thing pretty much by running on a party line of, hey, fuck the Freemasons. <laughs> we begin to see the formation of the anti-Masonic party. That is today's topic, all right? Took us a long half hour to get into it. Today's topic is the anti-Masonic party, which becomes the first real third party in American politics <laughs> and has its lineage in a couple of uh, some very major uh, current political parties as well. So get a load of this one. Uh, they had one goal in mind. They were going to purge the elites out of office. No such thing as a good Mason in their eyes. The Masons held too much power and needed to be removed from positions of power where the corruption and secret societal ties could no longer contradict the will of the free people. All right. You now want, we're going to restore the democracy. Okay. We're going to restore the Republic, that kind of a thing. It's, you want to talk to modern conspiracy theorists that this is still going on over here. They're just not anti-Mason anymore because the Masons sort of fell out of power or maybe they, they cracked down on a little bit too, too much. Mm -hmm. um, that you know of. Exactly. Maybe they turned into a new thing, <laughs> you know? Uh. The Bohemian Grove. Um, <laughs> the party was officially formed, though, in 1828 in New York, upstate New York, mind you. Yeah, a lot of this, where this all went down with uh, our buddy here, that was that was in New York State. So that was, uh, you know, New York just seems to be a hotbed of uh, wackadoodles. I don't know, but uh, the whole uh, spiritualism was taking place at the same time. And sure was. Now we're we're cooking up. We're into the uh, eighteen something or other, and uh, as far as the date, and there's now an overriding uh, sentiment here that is dividing the nation even further with with slavery. I mean, we really didn't get into it too much here, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of negative uh, negativity held against the Freemasons because the vast majority of them are, are wealthy individuals, and a lot of that wealth came from from slaveholding wealth. So, yep, uh, that's another reason why they weren't really welcome at the party. <laughs> welcome on, welcome with open arms for everybody. It's a. Uh now, the president at this time is John Quincy Adams. His lineage, of course, is uh, very honorable, the Adams family. Go ahead. <laughs> we knew he had to. <laughs> um, but his lineage- You gave me a go ahead. Like, I wasn't going to do it already. We knew yeah. it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need no any- He didn't need a cue. I didn't need a cue. Unfortunately, this kind of a recurring motif with the whole Adams crew, if you will, is that they, um, even John, and then also John Quincy- they never really have this political machine behind them because they're just the adults in the room in a lot of ways. So John Adams is like, well, no, we don't need to form these crazy parties to do this. Why don't we just do this? You know, it, let's use common sense here, guys. We're all on the same team. Everybody's like, well, fuck your team if it's not my team. <laughs> yeah. So uh, unfortunately, they're suffering because of that. So this political machine that's working against them is there's no machine to push back against them. So uh, there's a political fever that is sweeping the country around this time surrounding the hero of the War of 1812 and the man of the people known as Andrew Jackson and his Democratic Party. So Jackson will ride that momentum into the White House in 1829, okay? But the anti-Mason party was now proving itself to be a formidable opponent. It certainly helped that Jackson was also a high-ranking Freemason and often spoke in support of the organization publicly. Imagine, for all the people who are – imagine if like um, – 
imagine if George W. Bush had come out there and just been like, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, if, that's not a great example because he was in Skull and Bones too, as was uh, John Kerry. So the two of them <laughs> ran against each other. They're both in Skull and Bones. Kind of creepy. Yeah. Weird little fact at the bottom here, just to let you guys know. I've said it on the air before, but I don't know how many more times I have to say it over and over again. Also, a member, is of, a member of Skull and Bones. <laughs> <laughs> you would be, uh, I know who you'd be hanging out with if you were a member of Skull and Bones, though. A legit proven member of Skull and Bones, Paul Giamatti. That's right. Mm -hmm. He is. Well, it is, was, will always be. That's yes, I, I suppose so. Yeah. But um, it's pretty wild because imagine if uh, a political candidate was making speech. Like, like, of course, I'm in the new world order. We have a great time. The parties are fun. You know, we have. A, <laughs> that's essentially what if the anti-Mason party is saying these Masons are, are terrible people. And then Andrew Jackson's like, well, I'm a high ranking member of the Masons. We have a great time together. I think it's a great organization. You're going to galvanize your anti-Mason people. Anybody who doesn't really like the Masons is going to galvanize towards your party because you're actually the only people saying or doing anything about it. So, this Yeah, thing. and Andy Jackson, although he had some popular support uh, once he got into office, he had a lot of political enemies too. So it became a – Wasn't he a bit batshit too? <laughs> uh, it depends on well, which part of your life he's talking about. You know, he's, he's nuts. Jackson's got – he is uh, at all times one of the most interesting guys in American history. He uh, might be a future topic. Uh, could be down the road here because yeah. there's some hero stuff. There's some villain stuff. There's some great political stuff. There's some downright heinous political stuff. And there is the kind of cool story about when he chased down a guy who tried to assassinate him, beat him up with a stick. <laughs> I do know that story. Yeah. There's some good ones in there. And is also Native American. Uh, not not a great love for the Native Americans due to the Trail of Tears. But uh, and the ones who we're going we're going sideways. Yeah, here. yeah. Let's, <laughs> there's plenty for another episode here. But this anti-Mason party. All right, they're now in full swing here because they have to have some sort of a response against a Freemason being in the highest office of the land, and Andrew Jackson. It certainly helped. Like I said, he's a high-ranking Freemason. Uh, you know, you know who's really – let's just say this. The name and the disappearance of William Morgan was certainly coming up more and more in taverns and political speeches across the country. Oh, the Freemasons are great. You don't, Do you know what they did to William Morgan? He was going to expose you and he was killed. Right. You know, what's the, they always talk about his name was uh, uh, Seth Rich or something like that. You always hear that one. It's, it's – when history is repeating itself right in front of you, that's when you got to sit there and just be like, they really, that quote is the most important quote in the history of humankind. It's always going to repeat itself. If you don't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. Right. So that's what we're trying to do on this show here. Okay. We'll learn from it. Yeah. We're trying. We're but, trying. Um, they're bringing that name up a lot here, but it's really not doing as much good as they thought it would. Jackson's popularity as a war hero does earn him the presidency, but the anti-Masons are having some surprising successes early on. They nearly won the governor election in New York on their first try. Holy shit. Yeah. We're talking Tammany Hall is not the machine Tammany Hall yet, but it's certainly the Sons of St. Tammond are uh, figuring some stuff out. For more on that, check out that three-parter. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, they're a very effective machine. They use their partisan papers, right? So they have newspapers that are absolutely in their favor. So it's, you know. Uh, like a Republican on Fox News, like a, a neoliberal on CNN, you know, that kind of thing. All those things um, they were still seeing today in modern politics, certainly happening back then around this time frame here. You're going to use these uh, partisan papers to further the rally cries against the evils of the Freemasons. Yeah, and who was, uh, who was the uh, political, uh, the editor, the newspaper man that was, uh, Well, I think we just did an episode on there's, a, uh, there's a, a newspaper guy that was pretty famous too. I think he had the New York Tribune, if I the remember right. The New York right. Tribune would be right. Yeah, well, oh. he was a 
big proponent of the anti-Mason party. Horace Greeley, by Horace the way. Horace Greeley. If those of you at home don't know that one. Uh, and, <laughs> and again, a lot of that had to do with his uh, abolitionist um, um, leanings as well. Um, and another big anti-Mason was another episode that we did by the name of uh, John Brown. He was another big time, very vocal anti-Mason party supporter. What else was he against? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shaving from yeah. what I've seen in some of the pictures. Sh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a, there was a lot of uh, overlaps here and, you know, intersections with uh, uh, some of the people of the time period here, the time frame. When they're referring to, because at the, the time the term is Jacksonian Democrat. Right. And let's just say this. The uh, I've heard this great quote a long time ago. Uh, power is running for office. True power is running someone for office. Right. Yeah. Right. So that that's your big thing here. So the party begins to court a major name to join with them. NWO outsider style bash at the beach when Hogan comes out and joins Hall and Nash. Right. Um, <laughs> they knew. Just as Andrew Jackson knew that the most powerful opponent to Andrew Jackson and his policies was uh, American hero, Henry Clay. Clay was a good man, a man of the people, and known as the great compromiser. A couple of terms over in the Senate, always involved with things, ran for president a couple of times, never did uh, get his hands on the, uh, the opportunity to be in the Oval Office. But he's extremely popular from Kentucky, right? And he would make a damn fine presidential candidate for the anti-Mason party. So the anti-Mason party reaches out to him like, hey, we got this thing going on here. We got It's a groundswell movement, all right? It's, uh, it's pretty great right now. The grassroots movement is on fire for this anti-Mason thing. Would you be willing to you know, run for president under our party's nomination? And uh, they're like, well, I mean, I could think about it. I mean, is it, is there any, what would I have to do? And like, could you renounce being a Mason? Because, yep, Henry Clay himself also was a Freemason. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He is a member. Hey, the can you just, um, you know, just go against me? It, it worked out for William Morgan. He's apparently up in Canada just having a great time. <laughs> yeah, right. He got paid well, and <laughs> less we heard. We so, didn't get any postcards from him, but uh, yeah. Well, the party attempts to get Clay to renounce his oath to the Masons. The attempt is unfortunately unsuccessful. The party is still making gains, though. They now bolstered their ranks and resumes with members in the U.S. House of Representatives. The governor of Vermont wins running on the anti-Masonic ticket. Later, the governor of Pennsylvania will also be an anti-Mason. Not too shabby for a party formed under the auspices of, fuck the Freemasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I read, I read the, about this or while I was reading about this, I just kept on hearing a little voice in the back of my head from some of our more recent political elections. I mean, how many people did you hear that, uh, you know, I'm voting for so-and-so, anybody but Trump, or to take it to another, to the other side of the aisle, uh, I'm voting for so-and-so, but it's going to be anybody but Hillary. You know, that, that there was a sentiment there that people were just fed up with one side or the other, and whoever the candidate is, that's who I'm going to go with simply because I'm so fed up with the with the opposite side. And I think Somewhere in American we politics, it. we stopped voting for people we wanted in office and just it was a hate vote thing. Yeah. Because I think there was a sign I saw that was uh, any rational adult. 
um, <laughs> for the, the last go around. And then before that, I think someone was running, it was a, a giant meteor 2016. <laughs> so, and those things, those spoke to a lot of people. And that's when you're like, oh, so yeah, there's something to that. Yeah. My left sandal also ran for a campaign because I thought it could be a better precedent. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the candidate for the presidential election in 1832, now this is a guy who's actually going to sit there and renounce his membership to the Freemasons in order to run as the nominee for the anti-Masonic party for president of the United States. That's how fuck the Freemasons is now taking you all the way to, I think he's in it. Yeah, this was the first- We're actually in it. This was the first political party that ever had a, um, uh, oh crap, I just lost the word. The Convention. Convention, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that they had a political convention and they, from that political convention, they actually elected somebody within the convention to be their candidate rather than uh, somebody, as you said before, Kev, true power is appointing, <laughs> appointing the, the, your king. <laughs> That's the truth. Now, uh, William Wirt is this guy's name. Pretty cool dude. Um, he does renounce his membership in order to uh, get on the ticket here. The nominee will eventually be, though, William Henry Harrison, because the anti-Masons are emerging as a third party here. They're kind of getting along with this group that's, um, I guess you would call them, uh, uh, what was it, National Republicans, that they were kind of doing their thing there. So that's the group that they're referring to that. And, and again, the terms mean so many different things throughout the, the, the yeah. time. So you have the Jacksonian Democrats who are now starting to ditch the Jackson thing and just going by the Democratic Party, which that is that that maintains, that continues to be at least uh, historically timeline-wise, that, that's the modern Democratic Party right there. And then you don't have a Republican Party just yet, but you do have this anti-Mason party, right? And uh, they have their nominee. Their nominee is clearly not, not going to get it, so they have to run somebody um, instead, a guy who's pretty popular here. We like to run war heroes here in America. That's what we like to do. So we're going to run William Henry Harrison, a popular war hero, I think he's related to uh, George Washington through marriage or something like that too. So he's got some good lineage to him. Um, very, very popular guy here. But he's not the preferred candidate of the anti-Masons because they can't get Harrison to confirm or deny that he's a Freemason. So your, your whole party is like, fuck the Freemasons, right? Right, William Henry? Oh, you know, I mean, I, I, <laughs> there's, there's some good guys in that, you know, in that group. Eh, what are you gonna? You know, I don't know why I'm making him build Burr. <laughs> That's the worst. I wish. I'll get out of here with that. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't matter though, because Martin Van Buren's going to win the election, and the Masons now realize that uh, what's worse than Jackson being in office still, <laughs> Jackson's hand-picked successor, right-hand man, former vice president. Yeah, he is now the running the country and the future of the party. This party, the anti-Mason party, may very well be at stake here. The anti-Masons are seeing more and more of their base and comrades heading towards this new party known as the Whigs, right? The uh, the Whigs had a broader appeal nationally and had more emphasis on bigger issues. So yeah, the bigger, may, yeah, yeah. Go I'm going to say the bigger issue here. The, the the problem is with the free the anti-Mason party is they're like a one plank party. It's anybody but a, another Mason in office. <laughs> That, I mean, that was it. There was just a hatred of the Masons and all the other issues going around. They were really not too strong on making any kind of a statement. This is all slightly off topic, but it's the funniest thing. Um, Lenny Clark, the comedian. Do you guys know him? I've no. heard of him. Okay, Lenny Clark, hilarious Boston comic, one of the original Boston guys, out of his mind crazy, still funny as ever. 
he played Dennis Leary's uncle on uh, Rescue Me. Okay. Oh. He's absolutely hysterical, nonstop funny. And apparently he was um, <laughs> he was all uh, coked up one day and said he was going to run for uh, for governor of Massachusetts. And he uh, he got a campaign bus with a banner on it that said, fuck the Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go too well in Boston, did it? No, it went it, and, and people were getting on the bus because it was like a regular, it wasn't like a fancy bus. It was just like, it looked like a regular commuter bus. <laughs> and so then, then Teddy just started like taking people where they needed to go. He goes, what do you think about voting for me? <laughs> but, so I couldn't help but think of that when the whole thing was one ticket item. We are a single issue party and that is whatever the Freemasons are trying to do, we're here to counter that. Right. Okay. But then other people are like, well, what about this issue of slavery right now? What about, um, uh, you know, what about taxation going on right now? What about, uh, you know, potentially the war, the, I'm sorry, the states going to war with one another? Right. Or, well, the war, or even the war with Mexico or California. Or, yeah. Uh, what, are we allowed to go west Brits right now? And, yeah. What are we expanding to yeah. here? So, uh, unfortunately, you're going to start losing people over to the Whigs, and the Whigs have this great political machine behind them, in part thanks to Horace Greeley and his New York Tribune, which is a very pro-Whig paper. Okay, it's <laughs> it's pretty wild how all this stuff kind of uh, taps into itself. So the Whigs' broader appeal is going to get them uh, more fan base nationally because there's certain parts of the country where there's not a whole lot of Freemasons, or maybe the anti-Freemason ideas aren't really taking hold there. Andrew Jackson was running as a war hero. Nobody cared down south that he was a Freemason. This seems to be a New York only issue. <laughs> so um, the sweet simplicity of the anti-Freemasons is now, unfortunately, that's the thing that got them to the party is now also the thing that's helping them lose steam nationally. So uh, because not for nothing too, a lot of their goals are becoming realized. They've got people in office in major places, right. governors of Vermont. Pennsylvania, you have mem people in the United States House of Representatives from the anti-Masonic party. You know, <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous they're able to even pull these things off, but they are losing steam and the Whigs are seeming to offer up the best alternative to the Jacksonian Democrats, aka the Democrats here. Now, the, uh, the Whigs, like we said, lose reception with Horace Greeley. Uh, they're going to nominate a war hero by the name of William Henry Harrison. Again, what war do you think he fought in, by the way? Uh, War of eighteen twelve. You know it. For more on that, <laughs> two parter, folks. Two parter. It's one of our it's our most scholarly effort. Um, this time he will win the presidency. And Cahoons, I know you know this stuff. There's, there's no trick questions here. Please no. William Henry Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put the, turn the spotlight on. Cahoons. Well, you know what happens here. So now you had Martin Van Buren in office, and now you have William Henry Harrison. Okay. Now there's another loserception here later on, but I don't want to reveal what it is. But William Henry Harrison, he is an old man at this point. He's mm -hmm. like, I, I'm not making the comparison in a negative way. There's a lot of people that think if Joe Biden had ran um, uh, in 2016, that it would have been a different outcome, maybe a better outcome for his presidency. And so, because he is an old man right now. My friend yes. Lynn Coplitz has one of the best jokes about him. She goes, He's 78. We took my grandpa's keys away when he was 78, and this man's. <laughs> so, oh. but uh, it, it's. A wild thing here to think about, if William Henry Harrison had won that first election against Martin Van Buren, what a different country this could be. That is a fun what-if game to play in history because unfortunately, most people do know what happens to William Henry Harrison as he gives the longest inauguration speech in the history of the United States presidency. <laughs> he gets sick. 
dies yep. into his presidency. Yep, he's a few too many late night parties, a few too much uh, cavorting out. They're taking this old man and they're they're putting him on that the crazy right. schedule of the American presidency. Oh. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> That's a top five favorite joke you've made on this show, sir. Oh, I love that so much. Oh shit. Well, it's nuts because it winds up uh, um, putting John Tyler into the presidency. And William Henry Harrison will serve the shortest amount of time as an American president. And because of that, John Tyler then, he sets the precedent for, well, I'm going to take the oath of office immediately so that there's no gap in the presidency. The people have to know that we do have a president. The country has not failed. We can't descend into anarchy. And because of that, he actually is the longest serving non-elected president in the history of the United States. If you want to know more about him, please check out the Lose Reception episode we did on him called His Accidency, John Tyler. <laughs> that was his nickname. Ascendancy. His, oh, his, shit. I love that so his much. His ascendancy, yep. Accidency. Accidency. Yeah. <laughs> ascendancy. I mean, he does ascend to the position, to the right. office, if you will, here. But uh, no, it's a nut. It, it's absolutely crazy here. That bulk of um, – John Tyler, by the way, is now only the 10th president in the United States history or two. That's how early on in our country this stuff's going on. The bulk of the anti-Mason party will meld into the new Whig party, which will later become the Republican party. What else is there left to say other than fuck the Freemasons, right? But there's some other notes we got to say on our way out over here. Before I give the list of uh, a couple of well-known Freemasons, Dad, anything else you want to say in your research for this bad boy? No, I think you we, we pretty much got it, Kev. But uh, yeah, I mean – uh, the more you scratch around, um, the more you find out how widespread this whole Freemasonry thing is. And, uh, you know, you're going to name some of the some of the high political offices, but that's only uh, that's only in, in politics. I mean, they're they're so widespread that, you know, I think this episode we put a, a negative light on on the Masons, perhaps, but there was also a lot, a lot of positives that came about because of the of the Freemasons to the founding of the country. Founding of the country, a lot of the cool um, architecture that we have is taken very heavily from Mason symbols, stuff like that. Um, I got friends that are Masons, and they're pretty good guys. You know, maybe I'm sure. I was once told, and by the way, the organization does kind of fall out of um, favor with a lot of people here. I'll give you a. Uh, a list, by the way, Cahoons. Uh, the party may have been effective, okay? The anti-Mason uh, group might have been effective here. Uh, unfortunately, they wasn't the last time that we saw a Freemason as president. Mm -hmm. All right? No, there's a couple of times after this point, if I'm not mistaken. Well, from the start of the country with George Washington, Freemason, James mm -hmm. Monroe, Freemason, mm -hmm. Andrew Jackson, Freemason, James K. Polk, Freemason, James Buchanan, Freemason, Andrew Johnson, considered the worst president in American history. Yeah, I was going to say, that might not be a shining star. But nope. That might be an asterisk next to Andrew Johnson. Just a nice little two-parter on him if you guys want to go through the back catalog. 31% of presidents were freaking <laughs> Freemasons? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's pretty good the percentages. James right? Garfield, who was assassinated by who? Oh, my God. Charles J. Gateau. <laughs> my boy. Charles Who's J. Gateau. Cousin Kelly's due to come back on the show. We have to bully her soon. Um, no, we don't. Cousin Kelly, please come back. <laughs> uh, well, Megan listens the most, so she's coming back on for this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, James Garfield, William McKinley, okay, William McKinley, who uh, he'll get shot by uh, the coward Leon Shulgosh, 
another episode we did in the back catalog. Uh, was I there for that one? For Leon? You were. Uh, Leon Shulgash, because I remember you went nuts because uh, there's a picture in the background of, I forget the guy's name, but it was a, a big black dude in the back of the room who oh, saw really, yeah. Shulgash pull the gun out. That's you, right. You just had the biggest smirk on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And he just started whooping the assassin's ass in front of him. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, man. In my it mind, does. I wanted it to be, um, what was it, Ron Simmons, Farouk from wrestling? Damn. <laughs> uh, but, oh, I um, love this show. I'll give you another president that was a Freemason. You want a hint? Kennedy? Oh, I'll say this. You don't want to fuck with this guy. No, are you kidding me? Teddy was a Freemason. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy was a Freemason. Wait He's, a minute. But, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I so, thought it, I thought it was the I got, for whatever reason I thought the cuz he established his own party too, correct? Down the road. Down so the, road. the fun Bull thing Moose. was Bull him. Moose, yeah. yeah, Bull Moose. It's so crazy here because the next name on this list that's also a Freemason is William Howard Taft, who took over for um the hand-picked successor by Teddy Roosevelt. But then they're realizing like He's not doing any of the shit we talked about. He's doing whatever the hell he wants. I got to do something about Taft here. So what he does in order to screw Taft out of winning re-election, starts the Bull Moose Party as a, hey, fuck you, buddy. I right. might not win this thing, but I am going to you know, make sure that you can't win it either kind Teddy, of a deal. Teddy starts his own third party. Exactly. Starts his own third party, <laughs> Bull Moose. That's where he gets shot in the chest and then finishes the speech. And that's where he splits the vote up between the Republicans. So the Republicans actually can't pick one particular candidate. So then all of a sudden this boring dude from Virginia, who's the governor of New Jersey, <laughs> Woodrow Wilson becomes the president of the United States. So uh, racist son of a bitch. Anyway. A, uh, <laughs> another one though, um, worth mentioning here. Uh, like we said, Taft, Warren G. Harding, my personal favorite president because he was just totally, completely, <laughs> absolutely corrupt in every way. Shape or form? Oh my god! Well, he's got, I have a joke about him in my act now too. You know it, but uh, <laughs> Warren I'm, G. Harding, another guy we did an episode on. I feel bad because that's one of the few times where I'm when we're filming in your comedy special because you made the joke in the special, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the few times you'll see my angle shake because I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> another one here for you. So if Teddy's in it. Probably fair to say his cousin would be too. Yeah. Franklin Delano Roosevelt credits the the Masons with giving him uh, leadership skills. And... Who's the most recent? Oh, we're going to get there. Uh, <laughs> we're still got a couple more to go. Oh so Franklin God. Delano Roosevelt, you know, um, the uh, one of the most important presidents, the closest thing we ever had to an emperor, I would say, in American politics, in the American presidency. He's the closest thing we ever had to an emperor. I think, how long was he in office, Dad? It was like... Emperor three, Norton's three ears terms. just perk up. <laughs> Emperor Norton. He's Emperor. like, excuse me. Emperor, maybe Emperor Norton was amazing. I don't know. I'll have to check into that. Ooh. Wait a minute. <laughs> but uh, then, uh, of course, after Warren G and FDR, uh, to quote uh, to quote Grammy Dad, yeah. we're going to have to say uh, Harry S. For Nothing Truman. Yep. Harry S. For Nothing Truman. And finally, the as of right now, the last, to the best of our knowledge, president of the United States to be a Freemason, Barack. Who? I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> Gerald oh. Ford. <laughs> oh my God, you got me good. <laughs> no, it was um, it was Gerald Ford actually. Really? So another strange thing here too, that uh, Gerald Ford also never actually is elected. Um, he just assumes the office after uh, Nixon bounces because the guy uh, who we did an episode on, I think it was Patreon only too, Deep Throat. Uh, puts out all that information on him and gets uh, Nixon having to resign because of Watergate. So yeah. that's as far as we know, that is the last Freemason, open Freemason to hold the office of the presidency. Now, it does get crazy, too, because that doesn't mean the secret society thing just went away either. Because as we said, John Kerry and uh, George W. Bush, uh, both members of Skull and Bones. I think H.W. Bush was a member of Skull and Bones. Um, yeah. Emperor Norton was a Freemason. No shit. Emperor Norton was a Freemason. Joshua Norton. And there's a document here that's going into it. I was like, no freaking way. <laughs> Emperor Norton was a Freemason. Well, there you go. <laughs> Mover and shaker for sure. Well, I can't think of anything better to go out on than that. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, perfect. The most important man in American history. <laughs> Emperor. I'm sorry. Let's give him his full title. Emperor of uh, the United States and protector of Mexico. <laughs> Norton the first. If you have not seen – if you not, if you haven't checked that episode out, just do yourself a favor, right? Emperor Norton's on that one. I'm going to uh, make a comic book about Emperor Norton. Oh, we got and projects. What, and what he thinks it's, he does. It's, it, like his world through his eyes. The world according to. <laughs> the world according to Emperor Norton. <laughs> <laughs> well, Copyright Kahuna Productions, people. No, I mean, that was, you just listed the presidents that, that we know that were Freemasons, but there's still secretaries of state, Supreme Court justices. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. There's a lot of heavy – there's a lot, a lot of very – capable heavy hitters that were were Freemasons. Uh, of course, those that had grown a little exception to our, our buddy William there, <laughs> well, you know, there's there's been bad apples in all every organization that uh, took exception to him spilling his, uh, his knowledge about the secrets of the Freemasonry, and they just dealt with it, but different times for different folks. But uh, there you go. It's a wild one. On it's a wild one. one. But now, but uh, again, going back, it was the first uh, third party that had a convention to elect their uh, presidential candidate too, which I think is important. Imagine uh, going back in time though, and sitting there and talking to those uh, the people, and they're like, "Hey, it's election day. You want to vote for a uh, this candidate? He's a Jacksonian Democrat. Well, what does that mean? Uh, what well, means this, 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 and this. or um, you could be a, a national Republican, or you could be a Whig. You know." I don't really know about all that. I mean, what is there a third party I can vote for? Yeah, there's the uh, anti-Mason party. What are they all about? It's pretty much, pretty much just it's anti-Mason. The name, dude. They're, they're anti-Mason. <laughs> oh, you mean those rich sons of bitches that uh, are pulling all the strings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Now you want this bus ride or not? <laughs> <laughs> I just got very concerned because I'm reading an article about Freemasons and Osama bin Laden's picture showed up for, and I just got very concerned, but he's not a Freemason. <laughs> uh, he confirmed, no. Uh, no, this is wild. So like, is how different is the organization today versus yesteryear? Like I know most, of, like the traditions are upheld for the most part, but like what's changed? Like, or as far that, as what people know. I kind of wanted to, maybe you could ask that other podcast. Um, some don't of the come stuff. in anymore. They don't? They don't. I think they actually got in trouble for for putting, doing a Freemason podcast. Really? Well, again, like I said, I watched a documentary about them not too long ago called National Treasure starring Nicolas Cage. But, uh, 
Um, but they are fascinating. There is that that um, they're worth looking into here. But just that the idea that there was a political party founded on just uh, stopping them shows you what fear that there really was and, and the, the distaste had for them as they, they were the original political elites, I would say. I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, and it was another president that was not a Freemason, as far as I know, a future president, uh, Millard Fillmore, called the Masonic Order nothing better than, quote, organized treason. And in 1832, the anti-Masonic party ran a one-issue candidate for president. And he captured Vermont's electoral votes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he did, he ran as a third party president and did, you know, get some electoral votes, which there's a lot of other third party uh, candidates that <laughs> didn't do nearly as well. Vermont, by the way, does not get the credit it deserves for uh, being its own country at one point, too, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Vermont has that same weird thing that like Texas and California had where they were their own country for a hot minute. That'll be another episode. Don't worry. But I want to give a quick shout out to a couple. We got some new people over here on the old Patreon. We lost somebody too. All right. Come back. Come back. (laughs) If you can hear me. But um, no, I I just got to say thank you so much to everybody. If you guys want merch and stuff like that, I hope – I think we sent out everything to people. It's been a little bit crazy. My parents sold the house that I grew up in, so they're moving out of that one right now. About uh, two months before that, they bought a new house that they've been trying to move into. Um, I moved into a new place right now myself, so we're trying to stay on top of the mailings and stuff like that, but it's a little bit difficult sometimes. And my sweet, sweet angel of a mother is the one who really is the catalyst for all that. So um, if you're missing something, DM me. All right, hit me up on Patreon. Let me know about this on here. Uh, Our girl, Deb Potts, she's always listening to crazy stuff. She sends me some really cool – she listens to our show and then does research. And then gets back to me with more stuff. And I was like, this is pretty cool here. So yeah. <laughs> got some good people out there though, man. It means a lot to me. Um, probably the next episode too, we're going to do a full readout of all the, the members here because we're, we, we blew past our initial goal of uh, 56. Um, it's not, uh, we're not doubling that yet like I want to, but uh, it's, it's still pretty cool that we have this many people that the show means something too. And uh, I love doing it. And we're going to keep doing this thing. We're going to figure out what to do when uh, the old man goes down to Florida here soon. But we got some uh, contingencies. We got other stuff we're going to work on. We're working on it. And of course, tell the, your family and friends get on the stick. Get a, get on onto a Patreon. Yeah, I mean that, that's where we get to. It's fun too because I have to do every episode of this show like it's the first episode anybody's ever going to listen to when it's a free episode. Patreon, we get to play. We're hanging out with you guys. That's really what it is. You had you don't know it, but you were having an angel's envy with us here today. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, all that being said, guys, thank you so much. Please continue to support the show if you can. If you want to share it with a friend you might find interesting. Sometimes people put up posts on social media. What are your favorite podcasts? I'm going on a big drive here. Can you know, help me out with something? And so many of you guys do so many cool things for us. And it just means the world to me. All right. And the more uh, money that I make on this thing, the more I can buy Kahuna's love. And uh, I wish you would stop saying that. <laughs> I think it started that way. But now we actually do all love each other. <laughs> yeah. Like at first it was like. Maybe the first two were questionable. Then after that, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm in. Like, easy. Like, well, now this is like, I, I. whenever I'm told, oh, yeah, American Legend, I'm like, okay. Because I just, I love coming in. Like, after the like, third or fourth draw drop moment. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we Once we started writing segments in. for him. Yeah, too. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you read something, oh, Kahuna's going to get a kick out of this one. Boom. Oh, yeah. But so now is the time where I announce I'm leaving the show. No. <laughs> well, uh, I will say this on our way out here because this is the final thing. Um, we do. I won't put you on the. Uh, I won't put you know your backs up against the wall or anything. But we got something uh, 
pretty big that we worked on a couple of months ago that uh, I had to sign some contracts for and stuff like that. And I got to make sure I pay you your money, my friend. But uh, I'm very, very happy to say that uh, on the opening scene, the opening intro to uh, my comedy special, it says directed by, we're going to say it, it's Patreon. Yeah, go for it. Christian Atrell Cordez. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Should I put a little thing below it that says AKA the big kahuna? Or, or <laughs> like, right. will, or will the people be like, who? It, you know what? It might be funny to see you do that. Because but... <laughs> <laughs> I was debating whether I should do it. And then I was like, this is going to get distributed. I it is. And you know what? I can actually, I think I can announce that. There's no NDA for that. I signed with 800 pound Gorilla Records. This is coming out. It's real. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to get plays over on Sirius XM. And uh, if you guys can support that when they start putting it out, I think they're going to put the full thing out over on YouTube. Just do me a favor and uh, support it the best you can. It's the best jokes I've written over the course of 10 years. And uh, it's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that being said, guys, means the world to me. And I hope you guys are all right. And that was the anti-Mason party, American Losers. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day the day I was born.